0: to say uh <laughs> back to back and yeah I, I couldn't sleep for 3 nights. I'm so happy we I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? your final was last last series. Okay. Sportsnet 650.
1: A euphoric Nikita Kucherov last night, fired up, fired up (laughs) after winning another Stanley Cup. Sounds so flippant when you just say it like that, another Stanley Cup. Uh, But they're back-to-back champions. It's impressive. It's not
0: flippant. It's impressive. That's impressive this day and age. And they were impressive all throughout the playoffs.
1: I should say a second Stanley, a second consecutive Stanley Cup, rather than another. Um, a second consecutive Stanley Cup for Nikita Kucherov, and he's kind of the uh, the public enemy number one now for Montreal. I'm sure uh, Montreal fans will remember long memories and everything like that. Uh, the, the, they play in the same division; they'll play next year. Excited to see what that uh, uh, exchange is like between the fans and Kucherov. I'm imagining he'll get booed every single time he touches the puck. But isn't that great? Like, that's what we want. We want that emotion here. And the other part of this dynasty that the Tampa Bay Lightning are emerging into is that's what you know the bar is, right? Like, you want to win a cup, and my don't at me was they're going to be back in the finals next year too. You want to win the cup, that's the bar you have to cross. And I know a lot of people scoff at, like, Hey, take the path of least resistance and get the most advantageous matchups and that's how you can have success. The cool thing about seeing a dynasty emerge is you know how... F- it should be your marker for how far you think you have to go. Right? We're always worried about the big bad guy. I always look at it as that's a greater opportunity to succeed. I've got to reach my potential so much faster or I've got to extend my potential so much higher. Anytime there's an opponent. If you're 31 other teams right now, these guys aren't going anywhere. And you've got to learn how to beat that. And that to me is exciting because it means we're going to see a better team than Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Yeah, and you look at how they, they built that team with some drafting, some patience. There's some trades and moves. And you know what? The best plans don't always work out. But in Tampa's case, the way they've put this together and you said it earlier in the show, the way they look moving forward, even though they're going to lose some pieces, is really impressive. And, you know, the, their window definitely hasn't closed. It's maybe shut a bit because you're not going to have the same roster. And that's what they talked about last night was part of the motivation was that they knew this team wouldn't be back in its entirety and they wanted to play together and they wanted to work together. But John Cooper said it best, character. And, you know, Kucherov said it best, by being entertaining. And that's what the game needs. Those, those character gamers. And we also need a little bit more entertainment.
1: Uh, this one. Can't wait to hear your take on how they get to the finals next year. After you subtract 18 million dollars from the payroll. Well if you subtract 18 million dollars from their payroll. They'll be doing okay. Because they're at 86 million right now. They just got to get to 85.1. Or sorry 81.5. So yeah. it, it's not 18 million dollars. It's 5. That's it. And Tyler Johnson's one guy, you know, Kalorn's another guy, Alex Kalorn's another guy, Ryan McDonough, what do they do with him? I know he's a stalwart, but look, these are the hard decisions they're going to have to make. But if the core of their team is still Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Hedman, Sergachev, Vasilevsky, not a lot of teams have anything close to that. And if they maintain that, hey, we could be seeing them back here. Next year, let's get to uh Nick Kiprios, long time at HLR, and uh, joins us, uh, the director of hockey operations for Line Movement. Uh, Nick Kiprios joining us now. Uh, what did you make of uh Kucherov's comments last night? I kind of love it. The, the, the league needs villains and Tampa Bay back to back. Well done, well done. Somebody told them that
2: uh, what somebody should have told them that wasn't a podcast. You just can't, uh, you know, there's still. A traditional or conventional television and radio that you got to maybe be a little bit more careful on. But all kidding aside, uh, for some, very refreshing, very candid. Uh, people want authentic personalities now. And, and I think that he fit the bill for sure. you got a lot of Kucherov in the post game comments. For me, I'm a little old school. I would have probably toned it down a little bit but uh hey back-to-back championships i guess you got you get to write your own rules
0: you you kipper you obviously you know played with mark messier and back in the day he guaranteed a win was bold about the series new jersey then went on to beat the canucks but in hockey terms you don't usually see you know that type of bold statement what messier made or even kucherov's uh kind of flamboyant uh celebration and and popping off and that. Is it something about hockey players that are different in other sports? And is this something that the NHL needs maybe to sell the game to younger people to, yeah. to draw some more I, attention, especially down South?
2: I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Kucherov's behavior last night and, you know, I don't, I didn't think he showed the, uh, a ton of respect for Montreal fans or even Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, to be quite honest with you it's to each his own if he wants to come out like that you know some people think that that helps sell the game other people think he he acted like a jackass it's to each his own you you draw your conclusion uh but you know he felt a certain way he uh, he felt that that was a good platform to to get those comments out Uh, like i said He's feeling awfully good on his back-to-back Stanley Cups, and he felt that it was a good place for him to do it, others to disagree. I I don't think his behavior last night and his post-game comments, uh, for me anyways, uh, necessarily helps sell the game. It it can draw attention, but I'm not sure if it sells the game.
1: Director of Hockey Ops at Line Movement uh, and longtime NHLer Nick Kiprios on the line with us here on Bick and the Boss. Uh, so Oliver ekman Larson, you did a post yesterday, you talked about him a bit, uh, you also mentioned him on with uh, Tim and Friends as well. Uh, what's your sense of you know, where this could move for when it comes with ekman Larson, and is Vancouver involved in your estimation?
2: I would think absolutely, and I don't think it should come as a big surprise to anybody because we know Vancouver had tremendous interest uh, earlier, and I would have no, you know, i uh, thinking that it's, getting, uh, it's not going to get revisited. Uh, we know that there's a fire sale in Arizona, and with maybe the exception of uh, Jacob Chikrin, uh, anyone could be had quite easily there. We you know Ekman-Larsen uh, has still uh, an extensive uh, contract uh, left at uh, $8.25 million. Uh, he's t- going to be 20, uh, 29 uh, with, what, six years left on it. So, you know, I think he's got a lot of life in him. He's a good defenseman. We still don't know how good he really is uh, based on a market and a team that has not fared well over the years, Uh, if they can move Nate Schmidt's uh, six-plus out, then you get close to to fitting him in.
0: Kipper, you worked a long time with Berkey, and and I I would uh, say I'm going to disagree with you on this and and steal a quote from Berkey saying this is a drug-induced media fantasy. I I can't see OEL coming to Vancouver for the simple fact of what you said about his contract, his term, and that – You know, at times to me, it feels like in the silly season, these rumors get floated out. They're almost like trial balloons. So, you know, you mentioned it. He hasn't lived up to his potential and and we can agree to disagree whether he's coming this way or not. But you do feel, though, that he can still provide and, and be a good defenseman because that's a big price tag for a guy that hasn't you know shown that he could be that Norris trophy candidate that people talked about earlier on.
2: I don't know if he's going to end up in Vancouver. What I can tell you is that they're looking at a lot of options like any other team. And we know that there was interest there. And I believe that there's still some interest there. We know he had a very short leash in terms of what he was going to allow Arizona to do. The other team in the mix was Boston. And it just seems at this point, it'd be more realistic to to, to look out West than it would, uh, you know, uh, in Boston, uh, still that's a huge commitment and maybe internally in Vancouver. They're, they're having some discussions. Some may like it. Some may not. I don't know how this is going to play out, but they, they they're, they're, they're going to revisit that for sure.
1: I'm trying to make the numbers work, and it, and it is a bit mind numbing to figure out, hey, which contractors go this way, and it's $50 million left in its contract, and all this sort of stuff. You've mentioned Nate Schmidt there. Are these two ideas linked in the idea that if it's Ekman Larson, the Canucks are interested, it's got to be Nate Schmidt, or is it money out somewhere else with Nate Schmidt, and then we get the assets to acquire Ekman Larson? Does it have to be Schmidt for Ekman Larson, or is it something else? Hey, there's
2: different ways you can skin a cat, but you have to make sure that, and I don't believe for one second that, you know, Arizona would be all that interested in keeping, you know, Nate Schmidt around, um, you know, at, at, at his numbers, but there'd have to be a, a, a scenario where Nate Schmidt's uh, uh, contract comes off the books. There's just there's just no way that you're going to be able to do it uh, without moving, what, $6 million, close to uh, $5 million 0.95, I think, on, on Nate Schmidt. Uh, so that that still isn't enough. To be quite honest with you, they're going to have to find different ways, whether it's a buyout or uh, you know whatever the case is. Uh, but uh, it, it there's going to have to be a, some significant uh, shuffling of the deck uh, to to fit in his uh, 8.25. But getting six million off the books for Nate Schmidt, and whether or not there's a third team involved. Can Arizona pull Nate Schmidt and and then flip him somewhere else? I think that's got the best case scenario if, in fact, Vancouver has the ability to pull this off.
0: Nick, you've been involved in the game of hockey a long time, and when it comes to Nate Schmidt, he admitted how tough this year was. And I think it was tough for everyone. COVID just made it so difficult. But you get traded to a new team, and normally you get to go out with the boys. You get to, you know, hang out, learn who's who, make some friendships. And he talked about how tough it was in COVID. He couldn't do that. Have you, uh, you know, seen or, or heard of anyone else in your career about, you know, just the fit isn't right. A trade happens, and you go somewhere, and, and you know, you think it's going to be good, but... I know COVID compounded the problem, but in Nate Schmidt's case where it's just like, Hey, maybe we, we need to take a pass on this and we, we should try to find a different spot for me so that it works well for both the club and the player.
2: Oh, I think you can find examples uh, on, on any team in any era where you go, why as soon, soon as that guy leaves us, he becomes a star or as soon as he, uh, he was a star and now he's, he looks lost on this team. It, there has to be a, a good fit. There has to be a little bit of chemistry and it's, it's just not simple enough to say, Hey, well, this guy's going to be, a, uh, this guy's a great player and he's going to be great no matter where he plays. That's not the case. It could come down to chemistry uh, with certain defensive pairs, line mates, a coach's style, a coach's philosophy. There's so many different plays uh, involved And for Nate, we know that he had uh, some success uh, early in in Washington and then in Vegas. And I think the expectations coming in, uh, especially with Tan of leaving, was that this guy was going to come in and and fill in and and fill that void. And it it didn't happen. And – you sign them to a, a big contract at uh, six million bucks, and you don't necessarily live up to that. And there's something to be said about a Canadian market where you live and breathe a game of hockey, unlike maybe a, even, you know, a Washington or a Vegas. And some guys can use it to fuel their fire, and there's others that uh, say, Get me the heck out of here. And it happens all the time. Uh, the leafs with uh, Tyson Berry, right? I mean, pretty good player in Colorado and comes to Toronto and just doesn't like it and get me out of here. So I think we can, you, you, you can go down the list and it's not hard to figure out uh, which guys uh, fit in well in certain areas and, and, and markets and others that uh, say it's not for me. And, and that's okay. I mean, that's it's no different than anybody goes out there and gets a job and you know you're there and there's some things you like about it and there's other things that you don't like about it. And uh it's a free country, man. You can pack up and leave and if you ask nicely if you're under contract and sometimes the teams say yes, some teams say no.
3: But it's all a
2: unique uh individual situation. And it seems like at least uh, for Nate Schmidt in Vancouver, it seems like it's on decent terms. And if they can get the right fit to move them, it sounds like they will.
1: Nick Kiprios joining Bick and the Boss uh, here on Sportsnet six hundred and fifty. Uh, another name that was brought up yesterday across the NHL was Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, now, obviously, a, a very star level player, gone through a couple of injuries as well. But it's an it's an interesting name to be on the market uh, for an off season. You know, how busy and how crazy of an off season are you expecting? And and what's a name that? you feel is possible that would also kind of surprise you?
2: Well, first of all, uh, you know, Tarasenko has been a terrific hockey player and at times deemed a star in this league. Uh, But I don't know how easy it's going to be able to move Tarasenko at this point of his career. I know his cap hit, I think, is seven and a half. uh, And I think he's got two years left on it. And uh, for some team now to take them next year, I do believe the, the payout uh, is $9.5 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I just don't know how, how you're going to move that. Uh, and then there's uh, Kuznetsov in Washington. There's another guy, I, 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 Eichel. Let's, even even Eichel at $10 million. It's just these guys with these big contracts, it's an easy thing and Tarasenko my understanding gave St. Louis a list of teams that he'd go to because he's got a, a no trade but I, I just don't know if that's they may have to eat that contract up from here on end I don't even Seattle won't pick it up but it's not easy moving money out now like you said earlier it's money in money out and I just don't know how how, how they're going to make it work for guys that you know, at times have been issues in their organization. Because off since they've won the Cup, has, has always been a guy that's kind of left you wanting more. And uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic, trying to move his contract out of Washington.
0: Kipper, uh, the Leafs get some business done, re-signing Travis Dermott. What do you expect uh, to happen this year in Toronto and how feasible is it that they can either make a big move or tweak some things to, to try and get over the hump?
2: Well, it just sounds to me guys like they're, they're doubling down on Matthews and Marner and
0: Tavares and Nylander. And
2: after that, there's just seems to be like some seat fillers. And I know Dermot gets resigned, but we still don't know if he's going to get protected or is that just, uh, setting up, uh, a scenario where they see him as an asset and it's an easier trade to pull in uh, some value back uh, opposed to losing him for nothing to Seattle. But they, they've got some, they've got some issues all the way around and that includes uh, the back end and Morgan Riley. And uh, he's got one year left on his deal. There sounds like they're going to move uh, Zach, or Zach Hyman's going to move on. They're trying to sign him right now for, Uh, in the low fours, and yet you listen to the industry and there's people saying that he can get five and a half or six million dollars out there. And it's just a matter of which team is going to end up overspending. And I think between Zach Hyman and Philip Deneau, who just finished the Stanley Cup final, uh, they might be in positions to... To, to get a, a fairly decent number out there. I don't think Zach Hyman has to settle for the low fours. So we'll, we'll see what happens. They're in a scenario like some other teams, including the, the Stanley Cup champions, Tampa, where for the next few years, they may get weaker. At least they, they may look weaker on paper. You know how it plays out sometimes, like Montreal proved is a different story, but... These teams that are pressed against the cap, uh, there's just no way that they can add. They've got to subtract.
1: He is uh, Nick Kiprios, director of hockey operations at Line Movement, and a longtime NHLer as well. Uh, Kipper, thanks a lot. We'll uh, talk to you soon.
2: Okay, guys, have a great one.
1: That's Nick Kiprios. Uh, you can follow him at Real Kipper on Twitter. Uh, interesting. Look at like how you mentioned C-Mac and you know. Kepler was kind of mentioning it too. This is the dollars and cents game. If if we're talking about Oliver Ekman Larson, and you got to be able to make the finances work before you can make the the trade work, and and your talent evaluation can be one thing, but if the money doesn't match, it's going to be tough. And it's true from Arizona's point of view. As much as we can make the money work for Nate Schmidt and say, hey, this makes a lot of sense, that's still a lot of money that they're taking on. And yes, it's less. Of a of an expenditure, but do they want to be tied to that sort of money moving forward?
0: Yeah, and, and that's where Kipper, you know, brought up the point. And, and sometimes you see it, but there's a third team involved. Mm-hmm. Can Can Arizona flip Schmidt for something else to help them? But then you wonder, like, why wouldn't the Canucks just be looking to flip Schmidt and and, sure. and go on a different route altogether? So. Really interesting and 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 tough decisions are going to be made here over the next days and weeks and and I guess months to come as we try and work on the finances and and. You know, Ian McIntyre wrote today on Sportsnet.ca, another great article about you know probably now more bridge deals for Hughes and Pedersen with the flat cap where we thought maybe before one would be longer. It's the ping-ponger back and forth of, of the narrative until we finally see some things signed on the dotted line and the I's dotted and the T's crossed.
1: Yeah, the finances, you know similar to what we saw last offseason, right? the finances are going to dictate a lot of this. And Seattle playing their their card in, into all this, right? It, there's X amount of dollars available in the space in the free agent market. Uh, I'm sure if you added it all up it'd be somewhere around $550 million. Well, Seattle Kraken have 81 <laughs> $81 million to spend. So how they play their hand and trying to figure out what contracts they can take from other teams prior to the expansion draft, like... Th- that's another wrinkle to this all of how they play uh, this off season. Cause that's kind of the safe haven for teams to say, if we need to get rid of money, here's a team that's got a bunch. Same thing with Detroit, same thing with New Jersey, right? Like you can look at those teams and say, if I need to jettison some contracts, I got to go look at Seattle.
0: And two though, Bick, don't forget in order for them to do that, you're going to have to give up something in, Mm -hmm. in the short term probably works math-wise in the long term. Again, we, we've seen this market and how the fans don't like you trading away draft picks, whether the second or third rounders or maybe even a first, I guess, uh, Ian McIntyre is suggesting today too that the Canucks are, are, you know, at least that is in play in the sense that they'll be listening to offers. I'm not so sure they are going to move it, but yeah, you, you just don't dump all your problems on someone else. You, you got to give them something to take your problems and that's the the delegate balance of of being a GM in this league and trying to figure out, you know, the dollars and cents and and what you can afford to lose in order to gain. Because usually when you when you gain in the short term, uh you you're gonna lose something down the road. And and that's where the Canucks have to take that tact of what works well now and and what can we afford to give up in the future in order to make things Uh, work for the players that we currently have and the window that we're in with some of our young stars.
1: Vic Mazar, Craig McEwen, your thoughts as well. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Keep them coming. We'll read a couple on the other side of the break. And then we'll talk to our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, Mr. Ken Priestley, all on the way here on Vic and the Boss on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's time for Mr. Fix-It. Brought to you by Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, here's Ken Priestley. Welcome back. Bic and the boss here on SportsNet 650. And yeah, it's our Mr. Fix It, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Ken, uh, the Stanley Cup gets handed out last night. Uh, bring back some memories for you.
3: Yeah, you know what, it, it did actually. It was uh, it was I got a couple of phone calls uh, just from just from People that I knew that said, "Ah, oh, it's been a long time, hasn't it?" <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was a great game last night. I thought obviously the, the the better team won. They were they were so perfect in everything that they did. They just uh, they deserved it, and uh, they had the best goalies, the best forwards, and the best D for sure.
0: Ken, what is that? Yeah. 24 hours like after you win the cup and I say 24 hours because I saw some pictures this morning of Stamco still awake with the cup in Tampa Bay but you've battled all season long you you, you want to win the holy grail it's been a lifelong dream and then you finally get it and is it exhaustion I, I know there's there's probably the odd adult beverage but what, what is that like that <laughs> that euphoric moment after you you win it and then you're like wow we've actually done this guys
3: you know what? They I I think they were right in saying that it's a lot different when you win it at home because you're in front of your family and you're in front of your friend and your family and your friends and your spans and everything's got to go and crazy, right? Both times that uh, that Pittsburgh won it, we were on the road in Minnesota and in Chicago and uh it takes a little bit out of it because the the you know, you're you are you are on the ice and then you're in the dressing room and then eventually the dressing room breaks off and you get into the bus and you know there's a couple of different buses now because there's there's friends and family there that are that are watching and now you got to go to the airport and you're getting on the plane so it it kind of drags on for a long time and uh, but it's it 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 doesn't take away from the fact that you want it the feeling is phenomenal i mean i can only you can only imagine what it's like for for these guys to to win it um but you know once you get home, and 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 we got back to Pittsburgh very early in the morning, and and it was very cool to see because you have all the fans waiting for you, as many as you, you know, more than you think, but there's still a lot of gap people there, and, you know, in the airport, walking through the term, you know, the terminal, and all that kind of stuff. So, I think the the Chicago night, we didn't get home until probably seven o'clock in the morning, and uh, you know, I think some guys went for breakfast and kind of did their own things with their. With their wives and their families, and uh, and then eventually you kind of get some sleep and some rest, and then you catch up the the next day or next, uh, you know, next evening. And whether you have the cup in your possession or you don't, it's still uh, it's still an amazing couple of days going ahead.
1: When you guys won the second one, um, as much as it's you know it's it's exuberant, you're partying in the dressing room. Were, were there moments of reflection? Of like, I, I can't believe we just did back to back uh
3: I, I think there is i i, I you know what I, I i can't really pinpoint that type of a thing but um there was definitely a time later on um more so probably when you're getting into the the parade type of thing because now the media and everybody's talking to to the you know the key guys and the key guys are saying you know twice this is a, this unbelievable back to back you know, we're going to go for three, all that stuff kind of comes up, right? And uh I, I don't think in my sort of group of, of players and all that kind of stuff that ever came up, it was just, uh we just won again, and let's just have a good time.
0: <laughs> and, and Ken, in in this salary cap era, and, and I believe it's the Pens and Lightning who only ever won back-to-back in the salary cap, how more impressive, not to diminish what you guys did, because great teams, great players, and all that sort of stuff, but to keep groups together now is a lot tougher. The The money all has to match. How impressive is it that, you know, Tampa has been able to do this two times in a row in, in what the current economic state is in the national hockey league. It's
3: phenomenal. I mean, you look at, uh, you look at the, what that team was made up of and what they had to do to get to that point. And uh, there was all sorts of talk about, you know, Kucherov and his circumstances and Stamkos and his circumstances and, you know Johnson, circumstances. It, you know what? That's sport. That's what the GM's there for. That's what those guys are there for. They're they're get paid to put the best team that they possibly can on the ice. You know, and then comes into the coaching staff and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they did what they had to do to be the best team at the end, and um, you know they 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 proved it all year long. Um, they may have not been the best team. On paper or numbers, well, not sorry, not on paper, but numbers-wise and statistical-wise, at the end of the season. But um, when it came to playoffs, their team was ready. They obviously got a massive boost and Kucherov coming back. But uh, they still had a difficult time getting through certain rounds. And uh, I think they mentioned that the first round uh, it was was very difficult. But once you get through that initial shock of, uh, of teams kind of. Hey, this is going to be a little bit tougher than we thought. Uh, once you're in it, you're in it, and uh, and and they proved it. They played every, you know, to win a game of that of uh, seven games uh, series at one nothing. Uh, was it, I guess it was a third round and the fourth round they won it in game seven and game whatever it was last night five. Um, to win one nothing with with offensive talent like that that takes a little bit of dedication for those players to play like that to buy in it was uh i thought it was the perfect game for them to play yesterday and uh you know now they're champs again
1: what always strikes me for for teams that go back to back like this is being able to maintain that hunger right like you you celebrate and you're feeling all great and you can be desperate, you know, like when your belly is empty. But, you know, these guys are sustaining success, and their bellies are full, and it's like, hey, we can go do it again. And, I, like, I'm making the claim already that I'm expecting Tampa Bay to be in the final next year. Where they win, they're not. Hey, it remains to be seen. But it, it feels like they've tapped into that idea of we know how to clean slate and move forward to to, to continue to work hard. Like, how, how difficult is that switch in the off season when you've – you know, had this much of success that you want to stay hungry in the off season, you know, how hard it is to work to keep going after it.
3: Well, I think that that is a a true test of the athlete, right? The, the person that they have in their lineup, the the person that they've been able to say, this is what a Tampa Bay lightning player is. Uh, I'm sure that uh, everybody that they draft and everybody that they interview, they're looking for a certain type of individual, and, um, you know, sometimes you get it wrong, but uh, they haven't. And uh, at the moment, the people that they've brought in, um, I'm sure they're going to lose some stuff in expansion draft and, and just just salary cap issues. They're going to lose some people. Um, but I, I'm sure that they have their their mind and, and, and their focus on on individuals, whether they can trade for them or free agency or in the draft. They have their mind set on this is what we're looking for. And um, the leadership group, I'm sure, is, is not going to change a whole lot there. Um, but uh, those guys have a huge influence on that dressing room. And, and when you step in there into that dressing room as a player coming in this season or next season or whatever, you're expected to, uh, to toe that line. And um, I'm sure it's not going to be hard for players to step in there because they're going into a franchise in a locker room that has been so good for so long that uh, it's probably a very, very exciting time for them.
0: Ken Priestley, uh, Mr. Fix-It, and I've got a quick question for you, Ken, but I just did want to read this from the Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650 from Langley Fun Guy. Ken, I have two cards of you from 1989. You're theirs if you want them, so we can hook you up with the Langley Fun Guy <laughs> if you want a couple <laughs> hockey cards of yourselves from uh, the late 80s. Uh, just let us know. Awesome. But, um, I I Cooper, after said you know not only they have character but they had gamers and you just talked about the locker room and and the let's call it the tampa bay way and i kind of hate it when every team coins it that way but it's a it's a process it's having players that you know can step up in those big moments and yes they have to have a lot of skill but they just find a way um you know I, i guess the easy answer would be mario when you played but who was a gamer back when you played that just that person that you know that will over skill and not saying they don't have the skill but it, it's that desire that heart and you're like man that guy just always seems to perform in the big moments
3: i think that we there was a number of different players that that come to mind uh, you know
0: in pittsburgh it was definitely the top
3: guys that that were like yesterday when you watch the game there's a stat on the tv that says that you know the top forwards or the forwards that scored goals For Tampa Bay in that finals, uh, you know, five games, and I think they said there was 13 different players that were that contributed. You know, there probably wasn't that many in Pittsburgh. I think Mario and, and Yarmir probably had half of them, right? Like those two players, when you have them on, on the ice and, and, and Mark Reckes and Kevin Stevens and Joey Mullins and Brian Tracey's Ron Francis. I mean, you can go forever on that Pittsburgh team and look to no, no shortage of offense. Right. It was the, it was kind of like the Randy Gillins and the Phil Borks, the guys that killed penalties, the Frank Peter Angelo that makes the save in New Jersey in game sevens. Like, just as easily as we won the Stanley cup, there were times there where we could have lost it just as easily. And it was, uh, it was guys that it wasn't the Tom Brassos that, uh, um, that had to make those game changing saves. He, he got hurt and and was out for a couple of games and, and Frank Peter Angelo comes in and actually just goes lights out. Right. And, and allows uh, Tommy to, to sort of take a couple of days off and, you know the penalty kills are so so huge. I mean the Barkley Goudreau block yesterday in front of Shea Weber. I mean I can only imagine what was going through his brain when he saw him winding up. But you know what? It doesn't hurt as much when when you're winning. And, and it, he took it. He he went down again, blocked a a Petrie shot I think it was. And 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 now look at him. Mean, he he probably has no ice packs on at all. He's just enjoying the the moment.
1: Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber, joining us here on Pick and the Boss, as he does every Thursday. Uh, we've been talking about Oliver Rekman Larson a lot today, Ken. Uh, so so I, I guess my quick answer, since you're our Mr. Fix-It, is uh, fix the Canucks blue line. <laughs>
0: oh, nice next question big Wait, wait, wait you a, know a really, give him a few softballs a a of kenny remember back winning this cup and who's a gamer and then hey by the way ken just fix the canucks cap problems or defense someone's wow, got to do it someone's, gotta, right, right?
3: someone's got to do it right yeah i you know what i i i think i've been saying for a long time i there you can only do um what you you can only go with what you got, right? And I think that if we're trying to fix a blue line that has uh, and put more guys on that want to touch the pucks on the power play, I don't know if that's the way to go, right? You're, we're, you're talking about Nate Schmidt and and how much he was involved in Washington on their power play and how much he was involved in Vegas on their power play, and now he comes to Vancouver and and you know rumors and all this kind of stuff. Consensus is he's not as happy as he wants to be. Um, well, you know, those types of players, um, they want to be in certain situations. And if you bring a, a Ekman Larson into here, who is expected to play on the power play and, and, and get time there, you still got Quinn Hughes. I mean, he's your guy. He's the guy that you're expecting to, to, to carry most of that load. And when you bring somebody in that's comparable to him, it's going to be very hard for you to make everybody happy. So not 100% sure if that's the right thing or not. I think I would go the other direction.
0: Wow, that's a great answer. You you, you took that curveball and just smacked that one out of the park. Well done, Ken. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. And I was trying to do the veteran move. You know, back in the day when they used to allow the defenseman to hold up the oncoming forward so the other your partner wouldn't get crushed? I was trying to hold up there, buy you some time by ripping back so you could get an answer out, and that was brilliant. Well done. <laughs> they
3: did that last night. If you were, the actually old school hockey came out in the
0: third period last night. There was a lot You're of right people about holding, that. holding up. <laughs> You're right about that, uh, Ken. Just one more from me, and and then uh, I don't know if Bick has something. We'll, we'll another a curveball. Gunshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll I'll loft you a softball one. Um,
1: fix the pandemic, kitten. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just
0: just fix that one. When you when you look at this off season and and you mentioned you know it, it's it's going to be tough on certain levels and all that sort of stuff. Do you suspect that the Canucks will be active? I know Jim Benning said he wants to be aggressive, but aggressive, I guess, could be a quantity of moves as opposed to one big swing. You know, do you get a sense that you know this? Obviously, they want to improve, but that the Canucks will be kind of like the Seahawks in on everything.
3: I think you got to listen to it all. I really do. I think you're doing your the the team a very big injustice if you're not. I mean it doesn't matter who's available at the draft or free agency, uh you know, you got to figure out and 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 entertain every situation possible because if you're not, I don't think you're doing your job. I really don't. I mean, you have multiple areas that the Canucks need improvement on and um if there's someone that you think as an as a as a GM or a coach needs to can come in here and and help out um yeah it's only a phone number and uh you know and people can only say no or or that just the numbers don't add up but uh you know they're they're a team that i think is not far away they're a few pieces away from um you know a, a good locker room core already and 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 some guys that have some experience in there just to get some leadership and uh if the leadership isn't enough for what they have and they can go out and get some veteran guys that can settle people down in certain situations that maybe younger guys get uh, a little bit nervous, then, then why not? But um, you know, it's, 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 I'd love to be a fly on the wall with what's going on here with expansion draft and the draft uh, just to see who's available uh, from every team. It's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting time for, for the Canucks these next couple of weeks.
1: He is Ken Priestley, our Mr. Fix-It from Dunbar Lumber. Ken, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Take care guys. It's uh, Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber. Uh, you can text into the Dunbar Lumber text message Jimbox box 650, 650 West End. Mike Atkin. Uh, any chance Steven Stamkos becomes dispensable in Tampa Bay? That's one of the interesting options too, right? Like I, I know he's their captain, he's their guy. I don't expect it to happen, but if you want to explore ideas of how to you know f- f- understand and and, and figure out how to you know, get under the cap for Tampa Bay that's an interesting idea
0: yeah it is yeah and you think of stamp Coast and and they talked last night on the broadcast about you know last year that the cameo and just mm-hmm. just getting in there and and this year being able to compete and he he gave credit to everyone who didn't give up on him whether it was family members the organization the training staff and all that sort of stuff I, you know, was worried for him to thinking that his career might have been over in in essence in the sense of him being impactful. But he he did well in these playoffs. He held up relatively uh, healthy as far as we know. And and yeah, you're right. That that could be something that perhaps they take a look at. I don't don't know. Because when you start going
1: through it, though, of like, who's the most important players on this team? I'm not even sure if he cracks the top seven. Yeah, I right? mean like but, but he is—he
0: is your quote-unquote leader or whatever. But yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what glue he holds together in that locker room.
1: It's—it's it's Vasilevsky, it's Hedman. it's Kucherov, it's Point, Sorelli. I think I might even take above uh, Stamkos right now. Obviously, we saw what McDonough did. Sergachev, Sharnak. Like, you start going through the the huge list of players there. It feels like they can survive. Uh, If they moved off of Steven Stamkos. Now, again, not suggesting it's going to happen, but it's a really interesting thought uh, provided there by West End Mike.
0: Yeah, it is. Have you, uh, Art Factor, our producer or so called producer, doing some work today? Did you see this uh, tweet from Brandon Gallagher that he's forwarded us, uh, Bick?
1: Uh, Kind of, but not really.
0: So it's when your Stanley Cup dreams have been crushed and you come home and find out that you've been robbed. But it's okay because the Pitbull has been there and done that. Yikes. Really? Let's yes. go. Yes. So shout out. Shout out to the Pitbull. But yeah. tough 24 hours for Brendan Gallagher. But that, that guy was a warrior. I mean, he was in on it. He obviously playing hurt, as you could tell, right at the end when he wiped oh, out. Yeah. And, and, and his oh, groin just yeah. gave way on him. But, man, oh, man. it It's it, – for me – that was one of the more normal things, just seeing a cup presented with fans, unlike last year. But it's that old agony of defeat, like looking at the Shea Webbers crying because you know that that was probably your best shot, and and the the angst on a lot of those Montreal Canadian guys, and a and, a, and a Brendan Gallagher, who heart and soul guy, gave everything he could, tried his best, and and when your best just isn't quite good enough, that that is so um, so hard to watch on so many different levels. So, you know, wish Gallagher nothing but the best in his recovery and hopefully nothing too badly got stolen. But it sounds like the Pitbull uh, took care of business for him.
1: Did his job. Next, next dog up. And the pitbull bull uh, uh, stepped <laughs> yes. up for that one. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Montreal side of all of this, you know, even listening to the post-game zooms, um, you can hear like the music going in the background, Tampa Bay like shouting and just like, that's got to be so killer. It's gotta be brutal because it, it just—you're so close to it. And for a guy like Shea Weber, yeah, this is probably his last best chance to get there. And is—is is there a realization of that moment, right?
0: Yeah, it's tough, but I can guarantee you—and you just sent me this—that they won't be buying the Bud Light made from the ice from oh, sorry. Emily it's, Arena.
1: I thought it was Bud Light. It's Coors Light.
0: Coors Light. Uh,
1: oh. So, so, so Coors Light is the official beer. This is from Darren Rovel. Uh, the yeah. official beer of the Lightning. And they are making the first beer made with the actual ice the Stanley Cup Final was played on. So it's the one right out of Amelie Arena. Ugh. And they scrape the ice, and they're brewing it in Colorado. Champions Ice will be in Tampa Bay Bars uh, starting uh, August 12th. I hey, listen. Like, I, 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 great I saw... idea in theory, right? Yeah,
0: but like... Have you know? Have you ever been on the ice or or in the bench area? Have you after watched a the players like and the yeah. people spitting and and oh, snot the rockets blood and, and the, all that sort of stuff? Oh, it, it, that that is so unappealing. I, I mean, it looked like Molson, you know, did pour some beer through the Stanley Cup and then bottled it after. At least the cup Different was probably story. clean, yeah. right? Like yep. sanitized, all that sort of stuff. Oh man oh man great gimmick but who's drinking that stuff after looking Florida. at the players? Florida. Dude?
1: is drinking it that's what, that's what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah but their water's bad I guess. That, that could be good water in Florida. <laughs> we, we have great water up here in BC. Them not so much.
1: That, no, like, Again great idea in theory but this is one of those ideas and this is a lesson for life as well. Anytime you have an idea and you're thinking about executing it like say it out loud. And,
0: I... well, in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, you're right, 656 his Do they know that there's harsh chemicals in artificial yeah, like, ice? It's just a
1: <laughs> terrible idea. It just it feels like a, a marketing idea of a bunch of people just sending emails, you know, working from home. Nobody got in a Zoom meeting and said this idea out loud. It's just like, hey, what if we get the ice in a champion beer? Great idea. Let's do it. We're the silver bullet, all that sort of stuff. Away we go. I...
0: So they're so the, I'm just trying to logically go this through my head. So they're going to then get a refrigerator truck and cart that ice from Tampa to Denver to make the beer. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I guess
1: it's only being sold in Tampa bars. Uh, Tampa bars, which makes sense. But still, like for what you're talking about, just guys, yeah, just sweating, spitting all over the ice, and blood on the ice. Oh man. Just, have have better ideas
0: for your products. How not that? not my cup of tea. And, and, and you know, what, what did they not do? Not my can of beer. Uh, yeah, exactly. What did they do when the box won the Super Bowl? What, did they mix the mud and the grass in with the beer? I, I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, that's a different type of grass. Maybe Coors has got a, a like, different product there. True, yes.
0: They are experimenting with that type of grass and <laughs> beer now.
1: You're right. Championship weed. Can you do that? No. <laughs> uh yeah, this Craig McEwen here. We'll make way, people show on the way, full show. Shane O'Brien joining up at uh 3:30. Shane O'Brien, look. NHL Insider I guess now. You was talking about the Matt Kachuk stuff. And then here's a story coming out yesterday about Vladimir Tarasenko wanting out of St. Louis. You know what, a, a destination, I'm sure Matt Kachuk would love for St. Louis. Well, Maybe Shane O'Brien was just ahead of the curve on it all. Uh, We'll talk to him at 3.30. Thomas Durant joins at 5. And Adnan Virk at 6 o'clock. Busy day for the People's Show. Sat Dan Randeep on the way here on the home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.